And it's another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in. Whether that be live over at Joy620 or you're listening to the podcast at investinghope.com, Google Play, iTunes, wherever podcasts are found. I told you in the last episode <clears throat> that bear with me on my voice. Well, since that, that episode, my voice did completely go away this past weekend. Uh, I mean, completely gone. And it is slowly on the mend and slowly coming back. So uh, I'm not saying that my voice sounds amazing every week, but it, it definitely is not going to sound amazing after talking for, I don't know, 40 minutes or so. So uh, so bear with me on that. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. I went to Texas. I took a trip to Texas, went to a men's conference, and I want to kind of give us a, a summary uh, of, of just some things that I heard in and the reason I want to do that is because I heard from uh, Dr. Tony Evans, uh, and, and if, if you don't know who he is, Google him. He, he's an amazing pastor <clears throat> in Texas and doing a lot of great work, stands boldly for life when that's kind of not the cool thing to do. Uh, but, but some of the things he said, I, just, I made some quick notes of just, I don't want to call them sound bites, but quick notes of, of some things that... When he said them, they resonated with me. And I want to run through that list and, and expand as best I can on, on some of what he was talking about. I'm also going to look at what's going on with Walgreens and, um, and the distribution of Mifeprestone, uh, the abortion pill. So we'll get into that here in a second. But of course, the FDA have continued to ease restrictions. The Biden administration uh, have, have done everything they can to make it easier to obtain an abortion, to, to obtain the abortion pill, and, and roughly 20 conservative states have pushed back on that. And, and so we're going we're gonna to kind of walk through Walgreens' response, and then we're going to look at what some of the blue states, some of the abortion uh, states, are doing in response to that. So it, it's, it all ties in, and, and it's all interesting to see uh, what's happening. So we're going to start there. And, and so some of you may not even be aware. I, I've talked about it briefly on this show uh, in the past, but uh, but there's a piece over at the AP that kind of lays it all out. Walgreens says it will not start selling abortion pill, uh, an abortion pill in 20 states that had warned of legal consequences if it did so. The drugstore chain's announcement last Thursday signals that access to mifeprestone may not expand as broadly as federal regulators intended in January when they finalized the rule change allowing more pharmacies to provide the pill. Uh, so let's look at this. Of course, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved mifeprestone in 2000 to end pregnancy when used in combination with the second drug, uh, mifeprestol. Uh, the combination is approved for use up to, t up to the 10th week of pregnancy. Now, it's important to note, they say up to the 10th week. We know for a fact that abortion clinics are giving this out past the 10th week mark. Uh, but, but I digress from that. Mifeprestone is taken first to dilate the cervix and block a hormone needed to sustain pregnancy. That hormone is progesterone. Uh, misoprestol uh, is taken a day or two later, causing contractions to empty the uterus. So it's interesting that AP is really walking through what this, these pills do. So mifoprestone, the first pill, starves the baby of needed Progesterone starves the pregnancy, so the baby cannot survive. Now, they would say fetus. <clears throat> and then, a day or two later, you take that second pill, and what happens? It causes contractions to empty 
The uterus. Well, what is in the uterus? The baby. Okay, and, and, and these women are doing this. Are they doing it in a hospital? No. Are they doing it every time in an abortion clinic? No. Are they doing it on their bed in their apartment? Yes. In the bathroom? Yes. On the couch in their living room, at their mom's house, at their grandma's house, at their roommate's house, at their friend's house, on, in a college dorm? The, this is where these things are happening, and, and it's important that we understand this. So when, when the FDA say we're going to make it easier to get these pills, understand what's happening when these pills are taken. This is happening in homes, apartments, public restrooms all across the country. It's not happening under the supervision of a doctor or a medical professional. No, it's happening at home. More than half of U.S. abortions are now done with pills rather than with a procedure, uh, according to Guttmacher Institute. We know that number is going to continue to go up. We, we've seen those numbers from Guttmacher. We've seen those numbers from pro-life organizations. The, the abortion pill is now the predominant way that abortion is occurring. Uh, for more than 20 years, the FDA limited dispensing of mifeprestone to a subset of specialty offices and clinics due to safety concerns. Notice that. For 20 years, since the year 2000 when they approved it, they limited it to subset of specialty offices and clinics due to safety concerns. The agency has repeatedly eased restrictions and expanded access, increasing demand, even as state laws make the pills harder to get for many women. This all started in 2020. So there were safety concerns with women taking these pills at home, with women being able to get these pills easier, with women being able to get these pills from a Walgreens or a CVS or your local drugstore. There were safety concerns, and then the pandemic happened, and it was like, you know what? It'll be okay. Let's make it as easy as possible. Let's let them go online and get it shipped to their house. In late 2021, the agency eliminated an in-person requirement for getting the pill, saying a, a new scientific review showed no increase in safety complications if the drug is taken at home. That change also permitted the pill to be prescribed via telehealth and shipped by mail-order pharmacies. Now, notice that. No reason to have an in-person sit-down about taking pills that are going to end the life of, of the baby in your womb. No reason to have an in-person sit-down with a medical professional. No, just, you know, fill out a form, you know, go through the process, possibly a telehealth where you may or may not talk to an actual medical professional, where they may or may not be able to, to really see or understand what's going on. And, and guess what also is not happening if you are not meeting someone in person, no ultrasound. We don't even know if the baby is viable. We don't know if there's a heartbeat. We don't know if the baby's in the proper place. We don't know if it's an ectopic pregnancy. We don't know any of those things because now we don't have to do ultrasound. So, you know, just get the pills and, and we'll see how it goes. We don't know if you're 10 weeks, if you're 12 weeks, if you're 15 weeks. You see, so, so when I say it's, it's concerning when we ease these restrictions, that's why it's concerning. This isn't about women's rights. This isn't about empowering women. 
This isn't about the, having the best interest of these women as the focus. No, it's about abortion on demand for any reason because it's the golden calf. It's the idol. It's the, it, it is the pillar. And, and the devastation that, it, that it's leaving <clears throat> in its wake is disheartening. Earlier this year, the FDA further loosened restrictions by allowing pharmacies like Walgreens to start, to start dispensing the drug after they undergo certification. That includes meeting standards for shipping, tracking, and confidentiality, storing, prescribing information. So what happened when, when the FDA said that, when the FDA said, you know what, Walgreens, CVS, whatever, you know, fill out, get certified, and then you can ship them. Typically when that happens, typically when the FDA makes a move like this, the, the FDA's authority to regulate prescription drug access usually goes unchallenged. But more than a dozen states now have laws restricting abortion broadly and the pill specifically, following last year's Supreme Court decision overturning the federal right to abortion. Last month, attorneys general in 20 conservative-led states warned CVS and Walgreens in a letter, and we covered this a few, few weeks back, that they could face legal consequences if they sell abortion pills by mail in their states. In addition to state laws, attorneys general from conservative states have argued that shipments of mifepristone run afoul of a 19th century law that prohibited sending items used in abortion through the mail. Now, here's what Walgreens said. A spokesman said, the company told the attorneys general that it will not dispense mifeprestone in their states and it doesn't plan to ship the drug to them as well. But Walgreens is working to become eligible through the FDA certification process. It plans to dispense the pills where it can legally do so. The company is not currently dispensing the pills anywhere. Rite A Corp and uh, said it was monitoring the, the latest federal, state, legal, and regulatory developments and would keep evaluating its policies. The Associated Press also sought comment from CVS Health Corp, uh, retail giant Walmart, and the grocery chain Kroger. Some independent pharmacists would like to become certified to dispense the pills, said a spokesman for the National Community Pharmacists Association. She added that this would be a personal business decision based partly on state laws. The association has no specifics on how many will do it. In November, an anti-abortion group, of course that's what they call us, filed a federal lawsuit in Texas seeking to revoke Mifeprestone's approval, claiming the FDA approved the drug 23 years ago without adequate evidence of safety. A federal judge could rule soon if he sides with abortion opponents. Mifeprestone could potentially be removed from the U.S. market. In January, abortion rights supporters filed separate lawsuits challenging abortion pill restrictions imposed in North Carolina and West Virginia. Now, now what's been the response to this? So, so you, you have conservative states saying, we have laws on the books, and I'm proud to say that Tennessee is one of those states. When, when this announcement was made by the FDA, I immediately reached out to contacts that I have in, state, in the state. Uh, from state legislators to the attorney general to to the governor's office to say, hey, what are we doing? What do we have currently on the books? And I was assured that what we have currently on the books is is good and strong, and we're going to fight this. And it's good to see that not only Tennessee is doing that, but 20-plus states are doing that. And it's good that Walgreens is listening. Look, it's a free country. 
And if Walgreens wants to make money off the back of abortion, they, they, they have, I guess, the right to do that in the states that allow that. But they do not have a right to overstep and send abortion pills in states that have said you're not going to have an abortion here. They do not have a right to overstep in states that say we have laws on the books that do not allow you to distribute these drugs to women and constituents in our state. And so I'm glad that at the very least that's happening. But but it's been interesting watching this because because when we see this, you, you see a couple things happen. And what we're seeing right now is we're seeing some movements occur, right? So, so we, we've heard that, that Nikki Haley is running for president in the Republican primary. We've heard that Mike Pompeo is running for president in the Republican primary. We've heard that Vivek, and I don't know how to say his last name, is running for president in the Republican primary. Donald Trump is running for president in the Republican primary. Now, everyone is kind of wondering, is Joe Biden going to run again? Is Kamala Harris going to come out and run if Biden doesn't? And then there's this guy on the West Coast, Gavin Newsom, who's the governor of California. He's younger. He's charismatic. He's attractive. He's well-spoken. He annoys the snot out of me, but, you know, that doesn't matter. And, and what's been interesting is as this process has unfolded since June 24th, he has gone out of his way to post Billboards all over the country, not just in California, but all over the country saying, come to California, we'll give you an abortion. We'll pay for it. Well, he came out the other day. Again, he is positioning himself, if I can put on my analysis or my analyst hat on for a second. He's positioning himself to run for president. There's no question. Same thing with Ron DeSantis in Florida. Like they are positioning themselves. I think ultimately that's what we're going to see is a DeSantis and, and Gavin Newsom. But he's positioning himself as kind of the, the abortion uh, proponent of the country. And this is what he did. And we're about to go to break. But, but this, is what he, this is how he's responded. California Governor Gavin Newsom last Wednesday withdrew a $54 million contract with Walgreens after the pharmacy giant indicated it would not sell an abortion pill by mail in conservative-led states. Newsom on Wednesday ordered state officials to not renew a contract with Walgreens to purchase specialty pharmacy prescription drugs for California's prison health care system. This is why Governor Newsom said California will not stand by as corporations cave to extremists. That's what he's calling us, extremists. Newsom doesn't see himself as an extremist. But, you know, those pro-lifers in Tennessee, boy, they're extreme. We'll talk more about that when we come back. So just to, to finish up quickly on, on what we talked about in the first segment, what Gavin Newsom is doing is, is it's, it's political posturing. I mean, it, that's, that's what it is. It's a, it's a chance for him to get on the cable news outlets. It's a chance for him to have a press conference. It's a chance for him to really position himself in a way that that shows those that that are on his team, hey, I am 100% for abortion, uh, and it's interesting to me. They 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 would say he's for, and he even said in his in his quote, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna support businesses that cave to the extremists. You know, and they would call us anti-abortion. 
And that's okay. They, they can do that. And yet they would call him just simply pro-choice. But, but if you listen to his actions, it's not just pro-choice. It, it is very much pro-abortion. Very much. You, you don't go out of your way to post billboards all over the country encouraging abortion tourism in your state if you are not pro-abortion. If you're simply pro-choice, you know, you, you might do a couple things, but you're not going to go out of your way to pay with taxpayer dollars for billboards all over the country. You're not going to go out of the way to, to end a contract with Walgreens unless you're pro-abortion. Walgreens is saying, Walgreens even came out and said, you know, we're, we're very disappointed. All we have said is we're going to get certified to distribute these abortion pills around the country in the jurisdictions where it's legal. I mean, what do you want the, what do you want the business to do? Well, you know, it's illegal in Tennessee, but it doesn't matter. We're going to go anywhere. Well, they would lose millions, if not billions of dollars. If you're looking at it just from a business perspective. And Walgreens even made a statement and said, you know, there, there's, not, there's not one big pharmacy, retail pharmacy in the country, that has said they would do anything different than what we're doing. So if you ended the contract with us at $54 million, who are you going to go to? <clears throat> and, and, you know, far be it for me to, to take up for the retail giant, but, but they're saying, are you going to stay, if you're going to stay consistent, we're not real sure who you're going to move that contract to. Now, this could also be a way for Governor Newsom in and, and California to kind of leverage and, and renegotiate and, and get a better price on that contract, even with Walgreens. This, this, they, could, they could feel like they're paying too much money and they want to cut that. And, and that's certainly possible uh, as well. I think ultimately this is just a, an opportunity for the governor of California to try to position himself. He's looking for those moments. He's looking for those opportunities because he's definitely, I mean, th there's not many bright, spot, bright stars when it comes to who's going to pick up the baton after the current president. And so uh, he, he's one of the few, and he's going to do what he can. Uh, you know, whether I agree with California or not, it is one of the largest economies, uh, not just in the country, but, but around the world. Because it's a large state. And so he's positioning himself to really check all the boxes when it comes to uh, these, these issues. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens from here. Uh, but, but, but we have states, we, we have folks that, and, and we have an attorney general in the state of Tennessee and, and in other places around our country that are willing to fight this, as they should. And so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, but I think this isn't just a political conversation. This is, this is something that all of us should be wrestling with. Is it okay for women to have these procedures at home? Is it okay for a woman to take a pill that, that starves the baby growing in utero of the hormone that, that is needed to continue the pregnancy? If you're listening to this, maybe you yourself have been prescribed progesterone because you, you've had a miscarriage in the past or your levels were low and your, your OB said, hey, we're, we're going to prescribe you progesterone and we're going to feed 
and promote a healthy climate in your uterus for that pregnancy. My wife, that, that's what happened with my wife. Well, this pill does the opposite of that. This pill creates a hostile environment with the, the goal and design to end the life of the child in utero. And then take that second pill and contractions start. Now, why would you want to do that? Again, to empty the uterus. And the, again, this is happening in homes all across the country. Happening in public restrooms. It's probably happening in high school restrooms, in college dorms. The question is, are we okay with that? Like, even if you're listening to this and you say, man, I disagree with everything you say because abortion is a fundamental right and, and women should have the right to choose. It's my body, my choice. Even if you, even if you believe all those things, my question to you is, okay, let, let's say you believe all those things. You believe that, that women need to be able to have access to these things. That, okay, I would disagree with you, but let's for a moment say, okay, we, you, you agree with that and you believe that is so. Do you think, this is the question that, that those that are for abortion need to wrestle with. Now, if we could have a logic discussion and a rational uh, dialogue on this, we might could get to the bottom of some things. The problem is we can't have a logical discussion or a rational dialogue on this because all of us just want to scream at each other. And yes, I'm guilty of that as well. But the question that the abortion industry needs to wrestle with, those that, that were upset that Roe was overturned on June 24th, and, and, and frankly, let's be honest with ourselves, there are some Christians, there are some friends of mine, that after June 24th, I begin to see, oh, we didn't agree on this particular issue as much as I thought we did. So my question to, to you, if that, if that is you, if you fall into that, that category. This is what we need to wrestle with as a society. Do we want teenage girls, college age girls, 25 and up women taking these pills at home and hoping for the best? Now, I know that those pills are designed to end the life of that child. And, and that is all I need to know to let me know why I should be against those pills. But you may be listening to this and saying, well, it's not a child until a certain amount of time. It's not a child until the second trimester. It's not a child until the third trimester. And, you know, it's just a clump of cells. Okay. Now, I disagree with you, but let's just say that, that for the purpose of this conversation, that is where, that is where we're at. Do you think it is okay for a woman to go into a public restroom after taking the first pill, take that second pill, and contractions start to happen? Do you think it's okay for a woman? Do you think it's empowering of women to have them sitting alone in their apartment on a weekend, cramping, Bleeding, not knowing 
if their uterus has been emptied in completion or not. Do you think that's okay? You see, no one wants to have these conversations because they make us uncomfortable. But you know what makes me uncomfortable? The thought of women sitting alone in their homes taking pills that, that are dangerous not only to the baby growing inside of them, but possibly could, could be dangerous to themselves without any medical oversight. You know, we often hear it's a decision between a woman and her doctor. Then why in the world are we allowing women to be at home alone without that doctor and do these procedures and take these pills? If it's between a woman and her doctor, wouldn't it be better and safer for her to have medical oversight through that process? Now, again, I'm against abortion. I'm against these pills. But if you're going to get these pills in the hands of women, young, old, and everything in between, with little to no medical oversight, how is that empowering of women? We'll be back. As we continue the conversation, look, it's important that we understand what's happening around the country. It's important that we understand... When the FDA, you know, lacks or, or uh, removes certain criteria for for getting uh, the abortion pill, and and what we what we understand and what we know is, you know, oftentimes people people will say, you know, don't get political, uh, you know, j- just we need to stay out of the politics of it all. The the reality is, every. <laughs> It seems many, if not every, entity, organization has become political. These, as somebody asked me the other day, hey, what do you know about this? They say they are apolitical. And, and I just I find that hard to believe. From a, even from conservative or, or liberal, the, the reality is it seems as if every entity has been politicized. I mean, somebody, literally while I'm talking to you, somebody just sent me a statement from ACOG. ACOG is an organization that that OBs all across the country partner with. And that organization now is political. That organization now is calling, instead of pregnant women, pregnant people. That organization has made a statement attacking pregnancy centers all across the country. Calling us fake, calling us, you know, we're, we're anti-abortion. And we're not real medical places. And, and all these things. Look, they do that because they, they feel like they have the power, they have the funds, they have the backing to make these statements. And then they do it and they, they claim to be apolitical. They claim to just, hey, we're, we're just making a statement. We're not targeting anybody. Did ACOG make a statement about Kermit Gosnell when he got arrested? Yeah, I'm still waiting on that statement. Did ACOG make a statement when, when pregnancy centers were attacked after June 24th that are still being attacked? Yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting on, on that statement. 
See, these, these are th- this, this is why I cover these topics on a weekly basis, because it's important. One thing, it's, it's important to push back. It's important to bring clarity. It's important to, to bring light to some of these things that are being talked about. But, but right now what I want to do is kind of shift because I cover those things because they are important. But like I said, I attended a men's conference put on by CareNet in Texas uh, this past weekend. And, and although covering what's happening politically, covering what's happening with the FDA, covering what's happening around the country is important, what's also important is understanding the priorities that we have in front of us. And that although the court decisions and legislation and attorney general filings and, and all these things, all those, those, those things are important, those are not the be-all, end-all. And so I told you at the beginning of the show that Dr. Tony Evans spoke, and as he was talking, I just jotted down some, some notes. And I want to I run through the summary with you today, and then I want to expand on some of the things that, that I wrote. One thing that he said was, the holy family is holy family. Now, now he's meaning the holy family, H-O-L-Y, is holy family, W-H. And, and, and what he's pointing to and what we point to on this show is the importance of family, the importance of the nuclear traditional family, mom, dad, kids in one home. Now, again, when I say that, sometimes people get uncomfortable. I'm not saying that, that single parents can't make things work. We live in a fractured, broken world. There are going to be moments. My parents divorced. It was not the ideal scenario. But we did the best we could to make it work. They did the best they could to make it work. We see patients every day that the dad's not involved. Family's not involved. They do the best they can to make it work. But the, the goal, the ideal, is to have mom, dad, kids, nuclear family. And the importance of that. One thing Dr. Evans said was move past rhetoric and engage practically. Now, that's hard to do. Why is that hard to do? Because it's much easier, it's much easier to yell at each other on social media. It's much easier, frankly, and I'll be transparent for a moment, it's much easier for me to get on this microphone once a week and rant and rave and then go on about my life. It's, it's a lot harder to do those things and then also practically involve yourself. It's much harder to mentor young dads. It's much harder to mentor young moms. It's much harder to foster, to adopt. It's much harder to provide and give to organizations that are helping families in need. You see, that's much harder. But we should engage practically. Also, one thing Dr. Evans said was the church is the solution. Now, the secular world is not going to like that. Frankly, some of the church isn't going to like that. Because again, it's, it's, 
it's a lot easier to just say things and not do anything. It's much harder to engage and actually do something. But the church is the solution. Why? Because God designed the church to be the answer. You know, why is it every four years you hear people say, this is the most important election of our lifetime? Because elections are not designed to be the answer. Every four years we're told, oh, we we got a chance to get the Supreme Court where we want it. But, But guess what? We are told that every four years. Because why? It is not designed in a way for the answer to be found in, in nine people in black robes. No, the, the church, the gospel, the God of the universe, Jesus is the solution. One thing that, that really caught me was he said, when there is abortion, there is a denial of destiny. The right to life, liberty, in the pursuit of happiness. You can't pursue any of that if you don't first have life. And so, abortion is a denial of destiny. Every time there is an abortion, there is an attack on the divine. Why? Because the divine created life. We see that all through the text. We see that in Scripture. I mean, you could go to Elizabeth and Mary, John the Baptist and Jesus and their interaction in the womb. You have Jesus who is in the womb of Mary early, early in the pregnancy. And then you have John the Baptist in the womb of Elizabeth, I don't know, maybe three months into the pregnancy. So even in that moment, you see different trimesters engaging and interacting with each other. You see David in Psalm 139, you knitted me in my mother's womb. You can go all throughout the, the, book, the books of the Bible to find that God created life and that life is in the womb. One thing Dr. Evans said that, that really stood out was, when 72% of your kids are born without fathers, your generation is decimated. And in that moment, he was talking about the African-American community. 72% of kids are born without fathers in the African-American community. And that decimates a generation. And so what we have to understand is this work is more than just, hey, let's get a certain vote. This work is about changing trajectories. Last week, we threw 10 babies, 11 baby showers. I talked to dads. I talked to moms, family members. I talked to a couple dads that, are, that literally looked at me and said, I'm doing everything I can to be there. I'm changing my work schedule so that I can be home more. I'm making some shifts and some changes so that I can be there for my baby. Why? Because they want to change the trajectory. They want to end the cycle of fatherlessness in their family. Because they see it firsthand. 
It matters. Now, some of you listen to this and going, yeah, but that was easier for me when I was, you know, in my in my 30s or 40s. Now I'm in my 70s. I'm in my 80s. What am I supposed to do with that? Well, my, my response to you would be, I need you to stay on the field. But you may have to change position. So stay on the field, but it may look a little bit different now. And it also needs you to stick to the word of God. You know, and I've said this before. A lot of times people will say, well, you can't argue. You can't use the Bible as an authority in this debate and in this discussion. And, and, and I've said this before. Wouldn't it be like the enemy to tell you, hey, man, just get rid of the sword of God and then let's debate this issue. And that's where I want to that's where I want to really focus on when we come back. I want to talk about why it's important that we don't stray or divorce ourselves from what the Word has for us. We'll be back. So here's, here's, what, here's what happens. We have just a few minutes before we finish up. And, and there's a few things that occur. We, we either go... When we're, when we're talking about the issue of abortion, we either go fully political, which, which I've been guilty of. I've even be, I'm even guilty of that at times on this show because I get so amped up and I, and I get so frustrated. Or we go the other direction where we don't even, we're, well, I can't get political. That's, that, the abortion issue is a political issue, and so I just don't talk about it ever. And that's not the answer either. Or then we have these moments where people are like, look, I just, I'm happy to debate the issue with you, but you can't bring up the Bible. That's not an authority. And, you know. And for a long time, I would go, okay, well, then I'll debate you from a science standpoint. I'll debate you, you know, what the, liter- the medical literature says and, um, and those things. But here's the reality as a believer, as a Christian, you know, I. It feels like at times in our culture uh, that, that we're the only ones that are asked to compromise. We're the only ones that are asked to divorce ourselves from our faith. We're told, leave your faith and your Bible at the, at the door of the voting booth. And then pick it right back up when you come out of the voting booth. Legislators are, are told, hey, you know, that Bible that you took your oath on... <laughs> Don't pay attention to anything it says. Or we have politicians that they, they use the Bible when it's convenient. And then other times they say, you're just a religious zealot. You need to shut your mouth. But I've been doing a lot of wrestling with this over the last six months or so because uh, I've, I've had some conviction. And, and I thought through it and I was like, well, the, well the, wouldn't it be like the enemy to say, leave the word of God at the foot of the voting booth before you go in. Pick it back up. You know, sure, pick it back up when you, when you leave, but, but don't take it with you. Wouldn't it be like the enemy to say, hey, when you debate the issue of abortion, when you have conversations about the, the issue of abortion, don't use the sword of the creator of the universe. Get rid of that. Get rid of the word of God. And just let's, we want you to be on our turf. And then this past weekend, I was thinking through this, and I was having a conversation with somebody, and 
the Lord brought uh, a thought to my mind. Look, when I listen to David and Goliath into that story, when I read that story, I, I don't I don't put myself in the shoes of of David. I don't I don't claim that I would have been David in that moment. Oftentimes we're the the ones cowering behind David, not willing to fight the big Goliath. But what did David do? David picked up rocks and he looked at Goliath and Goliath, you know, scoffed and mocked and laughed because I'm a, I'm a big dude, you're just a little boy, what are you going to do with those rocks? It wasn't so much the rocks that David knew were going to bring him victory. No, what was it? It was the rock. It was God. He knew that, that God was going to bring him victory in that moment. What if Goliath would have said, hey David, bring those rocks but leave your God. And what if David would have said, okay, yeah, it's on. I'm going to bring my five little pebbles. But I'm going to leave my God back at the camp. Well, that would have changed everything. Right? It would have changed everything. But no, what David said was, I'm not going to fight I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to go to battle for the things that matter and leave my God at the house. I'm not going to have these discussions. I'm not going to go to battle and fight for God's people and leave the God of the universe back at camp. No, I'm, I'm going to bring him with me because I can't divorce myself from my faith. I can't divorce myself from my God. Like, do you understand that? Do we understand that? Of course, the culture wants you to, to have these discussions on their terms. Of course, the culture wants you to take the cues of a sinful, broken society and, and we lead in that way. Of course they do. But it's so much bigger than that. So what that means is when I have these conversations, I do so with God on my side. I do so with truth and compassion and mercy and grace all together. And that's where we see the needle move. That's where we see the needle move. And it's worth it, folks. We'll talk to you next time.